Can virtual reality help to get you more fit? Hi, I'm Fred Fishkin with another Textination interview. And with me is Dr. Alessandro Ciani, who has conducted a study at the University of Portsmouth's School of Biological Sciences in the UK. I hope I got that mouthful right. Thanks for joining Thanks us, for Alessandro. So you've taken a look at what VR, virtual reality headsets, bring to exercise and fitness. Give us some background here. Um, so the background is actually an interesting story. How did I come up with the idea for this study? It actually occurred to me uh, by looking at my own habit. So normally I used to go to work and cycle a good half an hour, 40 minutes every day. And since lockdown happened, I obviously stopped doing that. And so I thought I'm going to get very fat and unhealthy if this thing carries on. Um, as the weeks went by, I actually realized that not only I was not getting fat and unhealthy, but actually that I was in better shape than the months or years before. And what occurred to me was that I was spending more time than I normally would exercising or exergaming, as you would say, using my uh, virtual reality headset. And so, the question was obvious, as a scientist, I asked myself, is this just me? So an anecdotal sort of finding, or does it apply to the general population? So I decided, let's find out. And which is why I've designed this study um, to survey the general population on their use of VR. So tell us what you did. This was, this was really an international <clears throat> study, right? Yeah, yeah, it really was. So what, what I did was to prepare a, a survey and then I took to social media. So I used uh, Facebook, Reddit and Twitter to send out the, um, the survey link. And I re recruited participants that were adults and not necessarily in possession of a VR headset. So we also have a control group with people that use consoles instead, or that use both consoles and virtual reality. And we recruited a total of 646 participants um, around many, many countries. I think it was over 40 countries, um, but the vast majority of participants were from the USA and the UK. So the bulk of the responses were from those two countries. Um, participants were well distributed in terms of age. We got all sorts of age, although um, most people were in the, let's say, 20 to 39 age range. But we also had the occasional 60 or 70 even years old that took part in the survey. So tell me, as you mentioned, there, there are different types of headsets. Um, ranging, I guess, from Oculus to the consoles to the one, those that are tethered to PCs. So what did, what did you find? What's, what's the best experience? I don't know if people told you about that. Um, I gathered data on which headsets were, were most popular, but I actually didn't analyze all of those data, so I didn't compare. Um, as, again, anecdotally, I would say the majority were using an Oculus environment, and especially Quest is clearly very, very popular. And the reason for that is obvious, because compared to others, it is a standalone headset. 
So you don't need a powerful PC, you don't need a dedicated room, it's just put it on and start playing. Um, so a lot of people did have virtual reality headsets. We have um, all sorts of devices represented, uh, HTC Vive, Oculus, SteamVR, all sorts. But I would say the majority, yeah, were Oculus. So you found that this really can have an impact on fitness? It actually does. I'm, I'm quite surprised. I thought it would have an impact, but how striking it was, uh, it actually surprised me. So we have that, um, first of all, the vast majority of respondents, about close to 80%, say that their use of VR had increased since quarantine, since lockdown started. And that is understandable. People can't go out, they can't go to the gym, they can't see their friends. So it is clear, it is reasonable to think that. Um, but also what is really, really striking is that again, the vast majority, about again, um, 80 odd percent, um, thought that VR helped them keep themselves occupied and busy and active during the lockdown period. So that's actually a very good finding. Um, we've then investigated the impact of VR on both mental and physical health of, of the participants. And again, looking at my numbers, we have again a vast overwhelming majority of participants that agreed that VR activities have a positive impact on their mental health and on their physical fitness. So that is clearly very, very encouraging. So tell me, what, what are the experiences like exercising with VR? What kinds of things are we talking about? Um, all sorts of things. Um, the majority, so if you look at how users use their VR, uh, the vast majority of them, so nearly every single participant, say that they use VR for gaming. So gaming is one of obviously the, the key activities that people do in VR. And most respondents reply that they use VR for about one to three hours a day for gaming. So that's quite a lot. Um, but a lot of participants, again, vast majority think over 70%, also use it for fitness. And again, we're talking about um, one, two hours a day. And the lines are a bit blurred in a way between gaming and fitness, because if you think of something like Beat Saber, Synth Riders, um, Audio Trip, any of those games, is it gaming or is it fitness? I would say it's a bit of both. So that's why it's called extra gaming in, in this field. All right, well, tell me, it would seem that wearing a headset while you're exercising may not be all that comfortable, especially if it's some kind of vigorous exercising. So tell me what the experience is. Is that, is that an incorrect perception? Um, again, this is not something that I personally investigated in this study. Clearly there have been reports, especially with standalone headsets, um, such as Oculus Quest, that this is a bit heavier and in the long, for long sessions, it can be a bit uncomfortable, um, but still users report that they've exercised in VR for one, two, three hours without any particular, any particular concern. So I think it's all a matter of 
you know, using good measure as with pretty much any activity, um, moderation is key. So if you like using VR, my advice is don't ever do long, like three hour session. Give your eyes enough time to rest, stretch in between, warm up before. Um, so I know that some people find certain headsets a bit, a bit heavier, so they need to take breaks. And there used to be, maybe there still are, some warnings about young people wearing VR headsets, uh, children, um, and, and other people, even adults, having issues with, the, I don't know, queasiness, balance, dizziness, that, that kind of thing. Is, is that less of an issue today than it used to be? Um, I mean, certainly the technology has progressed a lot. I remember when I, when I was a little kid, I went to a, a science fair once and I tried one of the first, it must have been the 90s, and I tried one of the first um, virtual reality Big helmet kind of thing, right? <laughs> and I found it really confusing. It was very pixelated. Um, but nowadays, uh, the technology has advanced a lot. So they are quite comfortable, even for slightly longer um, usage. Um, some people still experience what is called VR sickness. So not everyone reacts the same way. When I bought my, uh, um, my headset, I never had any problem. I went in straight away, no problem. But there are expert users that still feel sick or disoriented uh, even after a short session. So there is something that people in, in this field tend to call VR legs. It's like having your sea legs. So there are certain activities that are a bit easier in terms of sickness. And now the faster activities are a bit more problematic in terms of uh, VR sickness. So obviously the advice is start with something um, that doesn't require strong VR legs. How would you compare, if you can, I don't know if you've actually looked at this, the experience in, in, in exercising with, with VR as opposed to the popular bicycle platforms today, the Pelotons and others, uh, and they're all kinds of devices you can hang on the wall in your house now to connect with fitness instructors, mirrors and things. Tell, tell me how and they contrast. I, I can't speak very much for personal experience because I tend to prefer like outdoor exercising compared to gym and um, you know, treadmills, that sort of things. So I can't really speak for myself. Um, what is becoming really clear is that actually the two technologies can be integrated. So if you were doing a long treadmill or spinning session, there are gyms that use VR to immerse um, the user into a, a virtual scenario that is designed to really motivate and sort of uh, make the user forget that they are in a gym and think that they are in a, in a forest or in a field instead. Um, so I wouldn't see much of a contrast. You can do both. They're designed for different things. So I wouldn't go as far as to say that VR can do everything that a good gym session with trained supervision can do. I wouldn't claim that. I think VR is great. It's helped me personally. It's much better than sitting on a couch uh, playing with a joypad. But still, let's not um, come to, you know, hasty conclusions such as let's ditch gyms and let's all use VRs. I think it's different type of things. Yeah. And with meditation and things such as that, uh, it can be a, a pretty big help, right? Is that what you found? Oh, 
Absolutely, that that is fantastic. So a lot of users also use VR for meditation purposes. I have tried personally a couple of apps. Um, one was called, I don't remember the name exactly, something like VR meditation. Um, and the other was virtual Tai Chi. And in both cases, I found that they work, they work really well, especially in the case of Tai Chi. This could be quite awkward if you're looking at a screen at a YouTube video following instructions from an instructor on screen. But when you have the headset telling you exactly where to put your hands and your feet, I find it comes much more natural. And in terms of mindfulness practice, so things like uh, visualizing a peaceful environment, I also find it really helps actually being in there, being disconnected from your normal reality and immersed into a, a quiet space that is dedicated uh, to, to meditation. So I think there is a lot of potential in there. So going forward, tell me what your thoughts are about the, the future use of virtual reality. Really, I get, I mean, it's certainly grown in popularity, but it still is not what you would call a mainstream today where you would find most households have it. Do you think that's going to change? Well, it, it's getting there. It's getting there. I was looking at statistics on, on the Steam website and on Amazon and other um, online electronic suppliers. And actually, uh, the last uh, iteration of the Oculus, so the Quest 2, um, is selling incredibly well. And I think, again, at this stage, it's not too expensive. It is as expensive as a mid-range smartphone. So I think what we're witnessing now is this switch from sort of niche enthusiast market to mainstream. I think if we're not there, we're getting there in the next few years, if not months. And of course, um, others, other companies are looking into getting into the standalone market. So I'm sure that there is a lot of interest into you know providing more competition in the field of standalone headsets. So I would say we're there. If it's not mainstream, it will be very soon. The numbers okay. say that, yeah. And there are rumblings about Apple jumping in here too, which could make a huge difference, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard the rumors, yeah. So that's obviously very exciting for those who are um, Apple fans. Again, the only concern there at the moment is price because Apple is not known generally as like a cheap sort of supplier. So obviously what we need at the moment for VR to go mainstream is a solution that is affordable and possibly self-contained because many people don't have a powerful enough PC to use um, you know, PC VR and they don't have enough space to set up sensors and so on. So I think, in, again, I'm not an expert in economy or in business, um, but the direction the market is going at the moment is self-contained uh, standalone headsets. And I don't know if where Apple is trying to go with this. Is there a place where people can go to learn more about your work? Um, yes, there are. Um, I have a profile on ResearchGate which is a social network for um, researchers. And my name is also on Google Scholar. So if you, um, if you went on Google Scholar and put my name in, it comes up. So you, you would be able to see my 
uh, my publications and my previous research. And this is my first, as a matter of fact, paper in this area, in the specific area of virtual reality. Hopefully the first of many. Um, I'm looking at potential uses of VR in education, because again, I spend most of my time planning and teaching uh, undergraduate students. So um, I think that's a very fascinating field and we'll see more of it in the future. Terrific. Alessandro Siani, thank you so much for taking the time with us. Thanks for having me. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC Skywave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.